you know, you could be doing something so amazing for your body, but if your mind is not aligned, you're going to find a way to go back to that baseline of what you truly believe and sabotage yourself. The Halo Neurostimulation System will help you to push boundaries and to perform at your maximum capacity. Now, I'm often testing new products here at Unbeal Mind, and Halo is the most recent that I've tested. And I felt it absolutely needed to be passed on to the tribe. It's a neurostim device that electrically stimulates the movement centers in your brain. It helps you to move better and faster through neuroplastic adaptation. It's as simple to use as downloading an app and plugging in headphones and then sticking them on your head. Use it for 20 minutes and then you go do your movement or your workout. Now, Halo, the company, has graciously offered to give a discount to Unbeatable Mind listeners. If you go to haloneuro.com and at checkout use the code UNBEATABLEMIND125, which will give you $125 off a Halo Sport model. That's an unbelievable offer. So use UNBEATABLEMIND125 at haloneuro.com, H-A-L-O-N-E-U-R-O.com to get $125 off. Very generous offer that they put together. Hope you check it out. Hoo-yah. Hey folks, this is Mark Devine. Welcome back to the Unbeatable Mind podcast. Super appreciate your time with us. You can find the podcast now on Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, of course iTunes, and at our website, unbeatablemind.com slash podcast, where you can also enter your email into our email list and be alerted to all the really cool things that we have going on. So, there you have it. Boom. Today's guest is Lori Harder, who's a leading expert in fitness and transformation, mindfulness, self-love. She's an entrepreneur, author. She's been a cover model for fitness magazine. She's a world champion for fitness competitions. And she's got a podcast called Earn Your Happy. So, Lori has helped countless people especially women, connect with their bodies and empower their minds. She's a big fan of mindfulness and uh, also to gain financial independence and to find bliss in their lives. And her annual event is called The Bliss Project. She's helping thousands of women a year take control and find their happy. Hey, Lori, thanks so much for being on the show today. Super stoked to get to know you and um, how are you doing? I'm amazing. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, no, it's my pleasure. My pleasure. I'm super stoked to talk to you. It sounds like we have a lot to share and a lot of things in common. So, you know, just as a a brief introduction to the uh, listeners of the Unbeatable Mind podcast, um, I know you you cover a pretty broad spectrum of of interests like I do in your teachings. Um, Obviously, you're deep into fitness and, you know, health and nutrition, but also mindfulness, transformation, you know, positivity, entrepreneurship. I mean, it's, it's amazing the breadth and depth that you cover in your personal life and as a, uh, as a teacher and a leader. So I'm not even sure where to start, except maybe just ask you, what was your, what was your childhood like? I mean, where did you grow up and what were you like as a kid? What were some of the formative experiences you had as a kid? Well, I grew up in upper Michigan in a tiny town So we were probably about three hours from any sort of, you know, mall. (laughs) (laughs) Like, did I say a mall? Um, I think you said a mall. I'm not sure what that is anymore. I don't think they exist. Do we have malls? 
Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> I think uh, they're being converted to breweries or something like that. It, 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 probably, especially up there. Um, <laughs> right. Tiny town. Um, I was raised really religious and mm-hmm. I was homeschooled through high school. So oh, being okay. really religious in an already tiny town and not celebrating holidays kind of made it really interesting. So I imagine I, your life was pretty narrow and somewhat rigid. There. Very. While it was beautiful and it was wonderful to live up there and I had an amazing family, we also did not put, you know, we didn't base our lives whatsoever or know anything about health. So Mm. we, Mm -hmm. my family, my mom has four sisters. They're obsessed with baking, with eating, with uh, cooking was a form of love. Mm -hmm. So we'd always Mm -hmm. be eating. We'd always be getting together. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't know that it wasn't normal to eat, you know, one to three servings at dinner and then have three, four or five snacks. Like we just, <laughs> you know, but, but just that is so common. I mean, that, that is literally part of that Midwestern culture. I mean, food is about family and connection and there's a whole emotional component to it. And unfortunately mm-hmm. that without self-awareness, that doesn't lead to good places. You know, it's so interesting because even to this day, I will, for comforts or when I'm speaking a lot or when I'm traveling, it is such a tough cycle for me to break because the first thing that I still want to go to is food. There's so much, I mean, it's such an addictive pattern because that was my comfort. That was my love. That was our celebration. It was literally every good thing in life was attached to food. But then I also started to notice as a teenager, not only because I, through middle school, I I did go to school and I got bullied a lot from the religion. And also I was a bit overweight, nothing Mm -hmm. crazy, but back then like kids weren't really totally overweight. So it stood out if you were, you know, 15, 20 pounds overweight. Mm -hmm. So I think between those things, I was actually, I just did a Ted talk about the first time I got really bullied. I was about 11 years old and we had gone to a pool party and I was up on the diving board and some kids started saying some names, um, like shouting Mm. the diving board. And I remember that moment of, I don't ever want to feel this way again. It was like Mm -hmm. the worst moment having your friends, the people who you feel like you, you know, these are your people. So these weren't strangers. No, we were a group of, group of five friends and one of them was was like my future husband. And so I thought (laughs) (laughs) like my life's crush. And he started yelling whale from the pool. And it was just like this moment where I jumped in the water and this feeling that I had never felt where I was like, I don't, you can't even explain it. You know, it's like betrayal all at once along with hating yourself. Like, Mm -hmm. wow, I don't ever want to feel this way again. And I'm trying to understand what to do with that at such a young age. Uh, I didn't really understand what to do with it until, you know, my teenage years when I really started moving my body and just trying to find some sense of feeling good about myself. Mm-hmm. Well, how did you process it in the weeks and months after? I'm, I'm sure that would be interesting to people because I'm sure you felt shame and disappointment in yourself. But how, how did you handle that? Did you become a recluse or did you just kind of march on? You know, no, I remember so much shame and like disgust with myself at a young age. And I know that women um, listening and probably men as well, I remember like feeling disgusting and actually going in the mirror and looking at myself and asking like, what's your problem? Like, why can't you stop eating? Why are you so gross? Like, these are the things you're saying in your head. 11 years old. Right. Isn't that nuts? That is crazy. Yeah, that's where it all starts. That that yeah. you know that patterning, and then the reinforcement of that negative behavior from external sources, yeah. especially mm-hmm. friends, and then you know the dialogue starts that I'm not worthy. Yes, beating the fear wolf. 
And so wow. it was just, um, you know, my family was already going on diet. So it was either we were eating or they were trying something new. That was the cycle. Mm-hmm. So at a really young age, I learned that cycle of, oh, we're either, you know, eating what we want or we're restricting. And it just, Mm -hmm. that was my life. And I remember the feeling of all of it. It was just that it was a fight on both sides, right? Because when you were eating healthy, you felt good, but you, all your emotions were attached, all the good emotions were attached to, well, when I can eat this or when we Mm -hmm. go and do this, or this is my reward. So it was this, you know, it's these, all of these fighting things that Mm -hmm. are not working together. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. Interesting. So what was the turning point for you? Was it just greater self-awareness as you got a little bit older into your teen years or did you have a mentor or what What was the turning point? Well, I remember being drawn to, I, I don't know if you remember, like ESPN had fitness competitions on mm-hmm. TV. I um, I remember seeing one of those and also I used to watch gymnastics and like they're, to, to me, their bodies, I'm like, wow, if they're really strong and fit, they must just feel so confident and free. They looked free. They looked strong. They looked confident. I was like, fitness must be the key. (laughs) (laughs) So started walking and rollerblading and biking. I would go out all day. And not only would I go out because it was first the bait to just, you know, look better and not get teased anymore. But then all of a sudden, as I would be out walking and as I would be out biking, rollerblading, whatever it was, it was like, I was literally starting to get those soul hits at a really young age. And I think mm-hmm. it was, and I think we all get them where mm-hmm. either maybe, maybe it came in a form for you of, wow, I think I might meant, uh, meant to be, uh, to do big things or how mm-hmm. oh, I really like who I am when I'm doing these or wow, I feel mm-hmm. really good or I'm open or you get goosebumps and you feel excited and mm-hmm. it's like an emotion that rushes over you, whatever form that came in. Sometimes I would get all of those. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, I never get these when I'm inside or when I'm e- overeating or, you know, when I'm hanging out mm-hmm. with certain people, it was like this really crazy awareness at a young age, but I would go off and do physical things for hours and hours mm-hmm. to kind of escape that depression feeling that I had when I would sit in my house and eat. Mm. Yeah, I totally get that. Nature and hiking in the Adirondacks were my escape hours, like you said, at a time. And when you move the body and in particular in nature. So, you know, I got to admit, I never got those feelings lifting weights in the weight room. You know what I mean? It was always when I was outside, like you said, in wilderness and just going on long types of endurance things without even knowing it was exercise, not even caring. But when your mind begins to drop off and you just have that connection to the nature and the fresh air and the movement, that's when the magic happens, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, nature. I literally, I just uh, was talking about this the other day because I tr- I put so much trust in nature because I know exactly what it does. So it's like if I'm having a rough day or I'm trying to figure something out or, you know, I just finished writing a book. And for me, that was that took a lot to get that out of me. Mm-hmm. And right. um, I would just know that if I went out in nature, sometimes it feels like you're, nothing is happening at all. Mm-hmm. But so much is actually happening if you just allow yourself to be in it. Because I think um, people who maybe, you know, are really creative or very productive or very type A, it's like we have to see the productivity and feel it happening. And I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, no, I had to actually attach words to it so that I could mm-hmm. start understanding. And I know you know this with all of the things that you're doing and in, in yoga and the mindset work that you mm-hmm. do in meditation. It's like understanding that that is in itself 
the beauty and the work and the space and when mm-hmm. all of the good things come is when nothing is usually happening. At right. All. Yeah. When you finally distilled the mind. Let's be before we kind of move into talking about, you know, fitness and lifestyle and, and things for the adult set, I still want to kind of dig into helping especially women who are and men or young men who are in, you know, who are victims of bullying. Mm-hmm. So what, I mean, I, I have to admit, I don't think I'm not self-aware of being bullied as a kid. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I do remember feeling pretty intimidated by others and I was pretty closed off as a young kid because my family was pretty intense. Let's put it that way. Lots of, <laughs> lots of intense violence and energy and, you know, negativity too. So I kind of shut down as well for different reasons though, but let's help, help us understand, you know, now in retrospect, and you've probably been, you know, had a lot of time to think about it and work with people, uh, young people around bullying. What, what are some of the ways that young women and young guys who are bullied can stand up for themselves or overcome that or remove themselves from those situations? You know, at the time I had zero tools mm-hmm. and also at the time, thank goodness there was not social media. Yes. So right. I, I can't, I can't actually speak to people now as far as young kids with social media, because I can't completely imagine what that's like, but I will say, I feel like I can understand to some aspect of social media for kids now, because I, I get it still as an adult, Really, you know, being bullied by women or certain things like it was. You know, I'll just give this as an example with my TED Talk coming out, all of the comments that came underneath it. I was like, I'm not going to read those because I'm not going to continually throw myself in front of this. I know what you mean. I was like, I'm going to remove myself from the fist and we're going to block, delete, do whatever we can if it's in your control. That's definitely something I would say you want it. You don't want to read it again. You don't even, you want to try to avoid reading things at all. Um, surrounding yourself with amazing people. I have a beautiful tribe that I've created so that I can talk it out because I don't think we can really completely protect ourselves at all. It's going to come. And when it does, it's so now I welcome it because it is something that reminds me of how I can grow my compassion because, Mm -hmm. you know, I always remember the the quote, hurt people, hurt people. Mm -hmm. Never when you are coming from a happy place, number one, waste your time with a comment of trying to hurt someone else. Number two, you weren't the only victim that day from that person. You might've been one of 50 or one of 20. That helps to think about. Um, Number three, they're in such a space of your light is actually really maybe making them uncomfortable because number one, they have it in them, but they're not showing it. So it's actually something that you can think, wow, I did my job today. I reminded them of their light that they're not quite showing yet. And Mm -hmm. it's just a projection, you know, that's coming out. So if you think of all those things, say a prayer. That is huge for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I say prayers like, please take this away from me. I know that this is, you know, maybe serving a higher purpose or maybe if I could see the lesson later. But right now I just want to feel better. If you could help me feel better, just something like that. And and think of a thought that really moves you into a more beautiful space. Mm -hmm. It it is hard when you are in it. I'm not going to lie. The second it Mm -hmm. happens... It always hurts. And I think it's important to let it hurt for that moment to talk it out, maybe with your parents, with a friend, with another loved one. Be upset about it. Say how you felt. Then block, delete, move through it. Think of a beautiful thought. Get outside and move your body. 
And it's so funny as I say this because these are the tools for so many things, right? So for sure. I'm, I'm, I'm running through them in my mind. I'm like cataloging against the Unveal Mind tools. I'm like, yep, check, check, check. There's that one. Oh, yeah, good. All right. Yeah, that's awesome. And they're, you're right. So, But the biggest one I think that you said, I mean, they're all really important, is that's their shit. You know, the bully is incomplete, unwhole, uh, bruised, hurt, like you said. And that's uncomfortable for them. Just like it is for us, because we're all incomplete. We, you know, we're trying very hard to to be complete. That's what life is about. So, you know, what they're putting on you is really what they're experiencing themselves. So you just don't have to accept it, but you're going to feel the emotions, right? Still, so you got to let those run. Otherwise, they'll get stuck and it gets worse, like you said. Yes, so important. Wow. So um, I have to tell you, my, I'm working on a book called Unbeatable Teen, and this is just a really interesting subject. So I, I would love to kind of circle back with you on this yeah. another time. It's really interesting. Absolutely. This episode is brought to you by my friends at Organifi. Now, we all know that we need to eat more veggies, but not all of us have the time or the means to get that natural, fresh, organic vegetable into our systems, especially when you're on the move and you're traveling a lot. Organifi is super easy when you're on the go. It's organic and upgraded with 11 superfoods. You just add one scoop or pack it to water, shake it up, and enjoy. It tastes great, too. Go to Organifi.com if you're interested and use the code UNBEATABLE at checkout to receive 20% off your order. The link is listed in the show notes of this episode. So, you know, now um, you, you get interested in fitness just by... You kind of seems like your um, inspiration by seeing other fitness models and seeing gymnastics. So you get out and you start moving your body. And I, it seems like you have this great enlightening or awakening experience that the mind is equally as important. And it's the mind that has the key to happiness, right? Mm-hmm. To those moments of bliss. So where did that take you? Because I, I notice on your, in your repertoire of things you teach, you also teach mindfulness and happiness and that you know i know a lot of fit people who aren't mindful and who aren't happy so mm-hmm. how did you kind of go there what was your journey yeah, like i was one of those people um <laughs> <laughs> which i'm so glad cuz now i can really understand people um so i just want to say there was one moment when i was about 14 years old i met a girl who was in my religion actually but they were from another town so I say that because I wasn't allowed to hang out with people outside of my religion. So I had a very small, mm-hmm. I had like two, three girls to choose from. So I met this girl and she was from about uh, two and a half, three hours away. And so I would, when we wanted to hang out, you know, you hung out for like a week because our parents would meet halfway. So at 14 years old, I went to her house. Her family was very fit. They ate three meals a day. That was it. They did not snack. So, you know, it's after dinner and I'm like, where's the snacks? And she's like, what do you mean? And I was like, no. <laughs> like, I, and this was like, I was, I was like, are you kidding me? I don't get snacks. Like I thought I was going to die. <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> so yeah. she's like, we don't do snacks. So that whole week we were super active. I ate three meals a day. I go home. I lost five pounds, but wow. <laughs> <laughs> not only that. And you know, so then I'm like, whoa, that was amazing. Not only that, I felt so good and we played outside all day long. We just went and did whatever. We were outside the whole time. I felt really clear. 
I just mm. felt so amazing. So then I started understanding that food had a lot to do with it. So right. we dieted, but then I saw how we ate and I thought these people didn't have the emotions attached to the food. They just didn't. It was like food was just there to eat and enjoy at the dinner table together. And then you were done with it. I was mm-hmm. so, my mind was so blown that there wasn't this emotional attachment to food. Mm-hmm. And um, I think over the week, it was just this incredible observing. And I didn't really understand what was going on, but that's exactly what was going on. Just this in awe of what was happening, how they lived that was so different than how I was living. Right. So I also got to see that your environments are, cause I went home and guess what? You put that weight right back on because my environment was controlling what I was doing. So right. that became such a massive observation as well. But then as I moved into my early twenties, what I didn't tell you is I had massive anxiety. Um, uh-huh. I was getting constant panic attacks. It was part of the reason besides the religion that I was homeschooled through high school mm-hmm. because I was walking into the classroom, just getting extreme panic attacks. Like I'd be blacking out in the chair, not passing out, but like losing all vision and sw- full body sweats. Like my clothes would be drenched. I didn't know what it was. No one talked about it. I felt like I was having a heart attack and I was like, Oh my God, something's wrong with me. Like I am broken. I am not fixable. <laughs> So all through my 20s, I was had extreme anxiety, but the only thing that was really helping me was moving once again. Mm-hmm. So as far as moving into the mindset space, I think that a lot of it had to do with feeling like that was the only way I could control my anxiety. But also mm-hmm. when I opened a, a fitness studio in my 20s, mm-hmm. I was training all these women because um, I knew that's what I wanted to do. So I started training these women and I, I would notice that no matter how much I would work them out, nothing would change unless we talked about how they felt, what they were thinking, because that unworthiness just follows you everywhere. So it's going to, you know, you could be doing something so amazing for your body and you could get subtle changes and maybe even great changes for a while. But if your mind is not aligned with what's happening or what you believe, you're going to find a way to go back to that baseline of what you truly believe and sabotage yourself to it. So that's when I was like, Oh my gosh, I could do more with them just sitting in this chair and us talking through. Right. Fitness therapy. (laughs) And I think that's what ended up happening is some women would come in and go, Lori, can we just talk? Because that's been helping so much. And I'm like, no, we can't because I'm so tired. So I'm like, you're my eighth client today. I'm not just going to sit here and talk to you. We got to move and talk. So that's when I started to really notice I am missing a huge piece of the puzzle. And started doing a lot of self-development on my own, a lot of books. I started referring people to a lot of books. Mm-hmm. And then I ultimately started doing self-development courses for myself because that anxiety demon was like coming in strong. It was getting stronger. The more that I started to know that I had something I wanted to do, the resistance started coming. It was like, oh, you want to do a fitness competition? No, we're going to up your anxiety. Oh, you want to kind of come out as a speaker or you want to write a book later? Nope. We're going to really up the anxiety. So, um, I started going to self-development courses myself. First one that I did was landmark forum. And that was my first Mm -hmm. eye opening moment of, wow, there's other people out there and there are people who are just working with the mindset. And that blew my mind. Right. Yeah. Landmark has been a great wake up call for a lot of people in terms of just understanding potential and how their mind works and whatnot and the stories they tell for themselves. Mm-hmm. That's a really cool thing. So I, you know, anyone's listening, if you're, if you haven't gone down that road and, and done some sort of structured program, 
It's really helpful. I got to admit, because, you know, books can only get you so far, right, Laurie? I mean, it's really one thing to read, but it doesn't, the books don't, won't change the underlying patterning. You have to really, really be deeply reflective about that. And around, you have to have a culture of other people who can share ideas and reflect back to you, um, you know, your own flawed thinking, (laughs) right? It's so true. You need that reference point. And that, Honestly, from going to events, uh, you know, I love books. I love them. I get massive shifts. But for mm-hmm. me, I am a I'm a verbal processor, and I also mm-hmm. need to physically experience things. And I think if you have a body, you probably do too. Sure, absolutely. Uh, well, I think it's a big part of learning. I mean, that's how we teach. When I say we run immersion training, is because you know everyone comes having read my book or books. And then, you know, we take them through, I still tell them so they can hear it. So now they've read it and then they've heard it. And then what we'll do is we'll get them to move their body and experience it. And then they'll get feedback on it, right? As a team and and from the coaches. And then we talk about it again. And then we take it deeper. And this layering process is where you kind of scrub the mirror of the mind and the emotions until you get to that soft underbelly, you know? Oh, I love that because that is, that is how you absorb. That is your reference point for life. It's like, if I did that, if I fully did that in that room and I felt that and I remember what it's like, it's like you can do it again, right? It's like riding a bike. You can now take that out into the world and, and remember and tap into it. Right. Yeah. You're creating, every time you experience a release or an insight, that's like a signpost, you know? So when the inner inner trail, right? When you sit down in silence or something, you go, go back to that last signpost. You're like, oh yeah, here I am. There's that, that mental pattern that showed up as a story or belief. Guess what? I just, you know, I realized that was flawed. So let me work with that. And then you go a little bit deeper. Then you have a new insight and there's a new signpost. I love that. That's the practice of self-awareness. It's really fun. (laughs) I know exactly. Well, that's the, you know, I think that's part of our, our, you know, core message here is that the, you know, if you want a, a, a full life, you got to do the outer work. You got to move the body, be healthy and all that. But that really just is to stabilize your structure and to get your mind healthy, your brain healthy, so that then you can do the mental work. So I, I honestly believe, Lori, if your brain, because the brain is part of your body. If the brain is full of toxic stuff and toxic thoughts, um, you know, you're, you're not going to be able to do mindfulness or any type of concentration training. And you're going to be a victim to any type of, you know, reactionary emotions that are patterned from your childhood and, uh, or bullying or whatever, you know, the asshole boss, right? Yeah. So it's, um, you got to get physically healthy. That's why, you know, for us, physical training is the first step because it's what's going to provide the proper structure for you to stabilize your mind so that you can begin to do that journey inward and, uh, that journey of self-discovery that we've been talking about. Mm. I love that. That's, that's really just for me, you don't even know what you're doing, but our bodies want to move and all of a sudden your mind is present. Right. Yeah. And you clear away some of the excess thinking and boom, all of a sudden you have those moments of quietude. And that's when, like when you describe just bliss, like feelings and moments of connection, that's what happens when your active thinking kind of stops. Like it takes a break. You surrender to, let's say the majesty of the sunset or riding the wave if you're a surfer or whatever it is if you're a fitness person you know i do a lot of crossfit and man you know at the end of one of those workouts it's like there's nothing left in the mind you know and you just feel feel so darn good that's the beginning right that's when you crack the door open right and you want to train your mind through mindfulness to to stabilize that so you can keep that door open which is you know where you really feel good you know and that's a whole different discussion you know i look at 
if I've been in a lot of, you know, if I'm, if I've been in a lot of pain for the day thinking about something, or if I've been feeling a little blue or if I'm not quite feeling like myself, I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, let's really look at, let's just write down what I've been thinking the most lately. Right. And really shocking to watch even somebody who does the work and reads the books and does the meditation and, and does fitness. It's like, we can get into, you know, it can, it can become like a habit. Maybe right. you hung on to a thought, or maybe you're doing things that bring that thought back. Like maybe someone's really bothering you or someone, something said, or someone that, or something that they said, and you're allowing some of those triggers. Maybe you're scrolling and their picture comes up or you're thinking right. thoughts and you're like, you're thinking you're processing, but really you're kind of just going down the rabbit hole. Right. And all of my pain is always associated with the thought that is that I continue thinking. And the only way for me to get through that is to go move my body, get back in gratitude and try to see mm -hmm. if I can find that quiet space and offer it up. Like this isn't mine. I don't, I don't want it. I don't want mm -hmm. it anymore. You know, and those are my ways of, of processing through that. Nice. So let's talk about your daily rituals now. Like, what do you do to stay fit and your fueling and your, you know, your routine, your, your mindfulness? What's, what's the day like in your life, Laurie? So I'm, I'm pretty routine, but at the same time, I'm also at this point in my life, the last uh, year or so, where I'm flexible as well. Mm -hmm. Um, which is so fun because then I don't, I don't feel bad if I miss something. Like I'm really just, you know, okay, that happened. Let's see if we can do it this afternoon. So for me, mm -hmm. mostly if I'm at home, we will wake up, we say a gratitude prayer in bed, mm -hmm. whatever it's for. Sometimes it's so silly in the morning, which is fantastic. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, I'm grateful for these sheets because they're amazing. I'm grateful mm -hmm. yeah. for a dog. Um, I'm grateful for food because I get to eat in a minute, uh, whatever that right. looks like. And we, so we do that and we also have a mantra immediately. And my husband's so good because he's one of those happy people in the morning. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I am not, not everybody is, right? I get there pretty quickly, but to be honest, right away in the morning, I'm kind of like, Meh. like mm -hmm. I wouldn't mind sleeping some more. Right. So it's, it's just really basic. It's I'm happier, healthier, wealthier, more fit than I was yesterday. And we probably say it about 10 times until the words actually mean nice. something in our head you say that together or silently yeah. we say it sometimes he'll say it then i'll say it then he'll say it then i'll say it like we try to beat each other in the morning oh cool we, i like, like that louder oh. or more silly by, by the way if i could just say something here it's so powerful to have a practice you can do with your significant other or spouse mm -hmm. because if you're not you know let's say your husband was not into this and you had to do it all on your own number one you don't have that energy and the momentum of in the structure, right, of, of having that support. Number two, you're going to be traveling on different journeys and in almost opposite directions, I would say, if if one of you has a practice and the other one doesn't. So just oh, a word yeah. of caution for for people yeah, who don't, whose spouses aren't into this quote unquote stuff. It's yeah, get them it, into it. <laughs> wasn't for a while. So I just want to speak to those people who are like, yeah, well, it must be nice. You have a support, a supportive spouse. Yeah. I hear that all the time. Women literally say that to me all the time. I'm like, well, right. Here's the thing is it took me five years to get here. So, right. you know, in the beginning when I would do stuff like this, he'd be like, it just, he'd be like, that's ridiculous. And I'd say, mm -hmm. you know what? I'm happier. So if you want a happier wife, you can do it with me. Uh, right. <laughs> or just join me. I'm like, who cares? And sometimes I'd find some of the research on it and be like, see, it's right here. So <laughs> because right, right. they might need some of that and it can be. Slowly chip away at them, right? 
Yes. I was just like this mad, just chip, 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 chip. And all of a sudden. Ultimately, it's your example that's going to get them on board, I think, right? When they see, holy cow, you know, my spouse is really, really transformed and super happy and healthy. And I, you know, almost want to, I want some of that, right? A million percent. Yes, that's exactly what happened. He was like, I've seen a massive change in you. Um, no, he wanted to be a part of that too. So I was like, well, this right. is what we're doing. So we start with that mantra mm-hmm. and then we head downstairs and we will kind of do our morning thing, whatever that looks like. We like to read for about maybe 10, 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And what then, types of things do you read? Um, I love self-development books. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm kind of a junkie for those. He loves yeah. um, like biographies and things like mm-hmm. that. Um, mm-hmm. business books. Uh, I also like some business books. So we'll do that for a little while. And then we do a meditation, which I will tell you, we try doing like 20 minute meditations every mm-hmm. morning. Could mm-hmm. not do it. Um, we tried for probably like six months and now we do anywhere from five to 15 minutes and we're wow. out there just about every day. So mm-hmm. it's just a quick prayer. Um, we were doing the Tony Robbins thing for a while with the breath. Do you know what I'm talking about? Where you do like 30 breaths mm-hmm. um, with your arms, like you're pumping your arms yeah, yeah, I've in seen and that. out really fast. Uh, that was really great. Yeah. That, 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 by the way, just for people listening, that is an energizing exercise. It's not yeah. meditation, right? So yes. don't confuse the two. It's powerful. It's good to get ready for an event or something or, or charge yourself up if you're lethargic, but don't confuse those, what, what they call Kriyas in yoga with meditation. It's different. So we would combo like a meditation and that, and then mm-hmm, also five, 10, 15 minutes of whatever that looks like. Like we don't really put a label on our meditation. So sometimes mm-hmm. it's a meditation. Sometimes it's a visualization. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's just, you know, some mornings you close your eyes and you hope that you just don't fall asleep. So <laughs> <laughs> got it. It's really just the practice, you know, I've learned of, so of Embracing the silence, right? Just yeah. finding time alone in silence. And that has given us our mornings back. We're really, really strict on our mornings now that nobody can really, um, for the most part, we don't do much before 11. It's very rare that we do it. Like this podcast mm-hmm. was very worth it to me. So mm-hmm. and I, I'm like, thank so you. My goodness. That with you. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, we try to, we try to really block time because we work uh, together a lot. And mm-hmm. we work in businesses where you could work all day if you want. So if you don't really right. block those times, then mm-hmm. you don't have any time to yourself and you can get resentful of many things and people you love. So, so that's, mm-hmm. that's our uh, ritual. Then we go move our body right away in the morning. Mm-hmm. Before 11 or after 11? Before 11. So right after mm-hmm. the meditation mm-hmm. um, or whatever that looks like, we go move our body right after that. So we're usually moving by anywhere from 830 to 930. I love that. You know, it's interesting. That's that's almost identically. That's not a right that right word, but it's almost identical to how I intuitively have you know settled in. Is that that morning time is really to build the foundation for the rest of the day, and so it's got to include the the, the fitness, the nutrition, the mindfulness, the gratitude, the you know deep connection with your family and significant others. And I don't step foot into the arena until 10 o'clock ish, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll be down at my training center, but I'm working out and I'm really kind of still internally focused, but that's neat. Good for you. I love that. And I feel like if you, if if you don't do that, even if it's just a few minutes in the morning, you know, even if you take one of those things or a quick walk around a couple blocks, you, you spend your day feeling like the rug got pulled out from under you and someone beat you over the head with like a sand filled sock. Like that's how I feel. (laughs) 
But if you do that morning ritual, you're still going to get beat over the head, but it's not going to hurt as much. And you're immediately going to be able to reference that and be like, oh yeah, everything's good. Yeah. I feel like I'm in, con- I, in, in control of my day. That way I can control my reactions. Whereas when I don't do that, I feel very like it's not, I feel like it's not my day. Mm-hmm. This podcast is supported by Qualia brought to you by the Neurohacker Collective. Qualia is a nootropic, that's a brain supplement essentially, that will help you reach your full potential cognitively. Now, I love this product. I use it every day and when I run out, I feel like I'm, you know, maybe missing out. When I take the Qualia, I'm able to think more clearly and I feel more focused and engaged. You know, it really also helps me when I'm tired and overwhelmed get back into my game. I think Qualia is a breakthrough product and the ingredients are all extremely high quality and they cover a broad spectrum of neurological capacities. So you're going to have to check it out and research it for yourself, but the best way to do that is to actually try it. And Qualia, the team over there, has offered you a 15% off the price of a monthly subscription. That is awesome. I mean, that is is extremely generous. So if you want to get 15% off and try out Qualia, then go and get a monthly subscription. Just try it out for a couple months using the code UNBEATABLEMIND15R. Don't forget the R. UNBEATABLEMIND15R. And it's sold at their website, neurohacker.com. N-E-U-R-O-H-A-C-K-E-R.com. Neurohacker.com. Use the code UNBEATABLEMIND15R to get 15% off that monthly subscription. Check it out. I think this stuff is awesome to support your training in developing an unbeatable mind. Hoo-yah. Let's talk about how you... Well, let me let me go back up. You said you visualize sometimes. Do you have a specific visualization that you use or that you found really powerful? No, I don't. Um, well, here I, I guess I do because here's what I do. I basically, um, for me, visualization is maybe thinking about something I have coming up or a goal that I want. And I more think of the feeling. What does that feel like? And I try to embrace the feeling because I want that mm-hmm. feeling now. And I don't want to mm-hmm. be attached to the thing that's bringing it. Because mm-hmm. I want to understand that I can get into that feeling right now. And that thing is a bonus. And it's also the thing that I'm desiring is attracted to the feeling that I need to feel in order to get it. I know I might've just really mm-hmm. confused some people, but mm-hmm. um, I try to feel what outcome I'm desiring and know that it's not the thing that can bring it to me, but me. And I see myself in the space already mm-hmm. and in my body, in the space, what it feels like, who's benefiting, what are they feeling, you know, and, and just really collaborate with that vision. So that's what yeah. that looks like for me. That's cool. So I, we call that in the seals, a dirt dive. So mm-hmm. And that comes from, <laughs> this is kind of be interesting, actually, that comes from us on our, with our diving missions where, you know, we would map out the mission and, and we would have it cognitively clear and we know our routes and everything. But you, you can imagine diving at night, you know, in, in the cold ocean or a bay where, you know, you can't see anything except for a little tiny chem light about the size of your thumbnail. Anyway, so the best tool that we had was to actually then visualize ourselves doing the dive. You know, every little detail, every breath, every kick, every course correction, the cold water, and then, you know, the emotions of overcoming the fear and the anxiety. 
and facing that with courage. And then also, you know, the elation of accomplishing the mission and, you know, being back home, maybe having a beer or something after when you're done. Yeah. Super powerful. So SEALs, be, you know, have a really rich visualization practice where both collectively as a team and individually, we visualize the mission and we feel it and we know exactly what that is going to be like, even when, you know, things go wrong, which is always... Okay. I love this. I love knowing that you guys do that. That is incredible. Um, I think it's so powerful. I think if you can do one thing, maybe, you know, if you feel like you can't even sit in meditation yet, because my husband, for him, he clung to visualization because it was really Mm -hmm. tough for him to do meditation in the beginning. Yeah. Um, but it's so interesting. I, I wonder, I'm sure it goes through Olympic athletes and sure. people, yeah. NFL. And I know that they all do things like that too. And I was doing, um, a fitness competition and I'd never done one before. So I had no, you know, dance or routine or gymnastics background. And I gave myself only eight weeks to learn a fitness routine. Yep. Wow. I'm crazy, mm-hmm. but you're crazy too. So, mm-hmm. so I ended up hurting my back like at week four. So how does somebody who doesn't know how to dance or do gymnastics learn all these strength moves and put together a routine? Well, I called some of the girls who had done this, you know, for years and years and, and they were like, okay, well, you're probably better off visualizing at this no, point or like right. an hour a day. So lay on your mat, go through your whole routine, feel it, see yourself sticking it, see mm-hmm. yourself before and after. And when I came back, I had about two weeks left and I had not practiced once and I mm-hmm basically could not go through the routine at all before that and nailed it after that just from mentally being able to go through it. Right. It was insane. And that was the first moment that I was like, Oh my God, (laughs) that is cool. I have had experiences like that and I won't get into them now, but the the power of visualization is awesome. And there is a reason, you know, so visualization and meditation are different and, so visualization, I would I would put in the category of a concentration practice using a particular mental skill, which is imagery. Because there's other concentration. You can concentrate on a mantra. You can concentrate on a picture. You can concentrate on like a Bible verse. But concentration using visualization is super powerful because it has a kind of a neurobiological effect of you know, greasing the groove of the, that which you're visualizing. So if it's a physical movement, then you improve that physical movement. But guess what? If it's about becoming a type of person let's say you're overweight and feeling bullied if you visualize yourself in you know physical health and confident and courageous then over time your body mind system starts to align with that not to say that you don't have to also take action and clear up some of the inner dialogue and whatnot of course you have to do all that but this greatly accelerates that the visualization practice and so to con- learning how to concentrate is a precursor to dropping into meditation. So it's a great place to start, I think. What do you think, Lori? Yeah, you know, as you're saying that, you're really br- actually bringing me back to, like, childhood. When I did start moving, I was always thinking thoughts of what I could be like, what life would look like, what I would, what it would feel like to be strong. I, I just, I guess I didn't realize that was constantly, it was like a, you know, we call it daydreaming, but it's really right. visualizing. Right. Yeah. A daydream is an unstructured visualization, right? It's a fantasy. So you can have a a negative fantasy and that's what I would say that's more normal. So you were, you know, something led you down the path to have a positive fantasy about your future, right? Which then, you know, probably because you were a very visual person. And so a lot of people that aren't visual, like they don't have that skill. They have to develop it. I've been in visualize. I've led visualizations through, you know, my seal fit and 
And about half the people are like, yeah, I really nailed it. And I was there the whole time. And the other half are like, yeah, I didn't see too much, you know. (laughs) (laughs) But over time, they're like, okay, I got it that time. Like, okay, yeah. yeah. They just haven't like sparked that area of their brain. It's a a specific area of your brain. It's kind of in the midbrain, a little bit over to the right side that I experience the energy of visualization. Whereas cognition thinking is really in your left hemisphere, really kind of toward the front left, right? It's really interesting. And you'll notice like, like if, you, if you're thinking or trying to remember something, your eyes will shift a little left and up. And if you're visualizing, especially about the future, your eyes will shift a little bit to the right and up. So it, it's a skill, right? These are, these are skills that can be developed with a little practice, I think. Mm-hmm. Neat. All right. So tell me a little bit about this, you know, your work now. You, you've got a, uh, your podcast is called Earn Your Happy. What a great name. I love that, by the way. Earn Your Happy. And then you got a program called the Bliss Project. Both um, sound nice. <laughs> Places you want to be, right? So tell us about this work that you're doing now. Okay. So Earn Your Happy was really just one of those, like, I think I want to do a podcast. I'm not sure why I'm getting this message right now. You know, I didn't know that I would, like, I just didn't think I was ever going to be a person who wanted to do a podcast. But I had a couple things going on. I wanted to connect with more amazing people. I wanted to be sharing more of my story and more stories of people who I think people have a different perception of them and really showing what it looks like to get there and what it takes and the practices of their lives. And I think the inside and knowing that the ups and the downs and the darkness and the light, it's all beautiful. And I really wanted to share that. So mm-hmm. that's where the podcast came from. Nice. And I love it because I get to how talk. Long, how long have you done it now? Um, a year and a half. Okay, great. And it's wise. Wow. I'm like, really? That's crazy. And then the Bliss Project. So I have a program called the Bliss Habit, but that's based off of the Bliss Project event. Um, right. And that's an event that I do because I believe events are, you know, like full immersion. And mm-hmm. you get to come together and not only uh, have that reference point for the rest of your life where we do a lot of uh, meditation, visualization, connecting, nice. working through, you know, different stories that are stopping you having some fun because I think playfulness is, is like I said, just as productive, if not more as uh, some of the things that we think are getting us somewhere. And really the, the bliss project is just a beautiful space to meet other people in your tribe and connect. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's what the bliss project is. And that is once a year, typically in March in Newport beach, California. Nice. So that's three days. That's three days. Yep. That sounds a lot like our Unbeatable Mind three-day summit, which we hold in December, which, by the way, I'd love for you to come to if you're available, you and your husband. We do it down in Carlsbad, so we're not too far from you. Oh, perfect. And so, yeah, so it sounds similar, except we also bring in, you know, similar to the pot, my podcast and what you do with your podcast, I like to, you know, I don't want to be the only talking head, right? And so I bring in other uh, speakers and experts who um, who are kind of nibbling around the edges of the unbeatable mind model. So they might be physical training or mental experts or yoga or, um, you know, Eastern scholars or, you know, people in the biohacking community or, you know, like Rob Wolf, the paleo nutrition guy is a good buddy of mine. And we have some, we talk about ethos and warrior development and leadership and it's just super cool. But we also train, right? So in the morning we we might do a physical event or our Kokoro Yoga. We have a yoga program called Kokoro Yoga, which means heart-mind. And then we'll do um, – also we'll do a lot of breathing exercises and visualizations, so similar to you. So 
it's a neat way to come together and to train together, but also um, learn. And then we also plan our year. Uh, oh, we have a process to plan 2018. Or that the, sounds good Yeah. So let's follow up on that. I think you would enjoy yeah. it. I'd love to experience some of your stuff. And I'd love to also maybe um, share some books with you and some ideas. So we'll have to follow up after this. Amazing. We'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. Awesome, Lori. Well, we've been uh, cranking away for almost 45 minutes. We probably should uh, move on here and let everyone go on with their day. So um, people can find you at loriharder.com, right? L-O-R-I-H-A-R-D-E-R.com. Is that right? Correct. Okay, cool. Anything else you would like people to know about how to connect with you or what you'd like them to know before we sign off here? You know, I just, I'm pretty good on social. So Instagram is a fun place for me to really express and be creative and stories and things like that. So you can kind of see what's going on uh, daily. Awesome. Awesome. Lori, I look forward to meeting you in person. You're awesome. Thanks for everything you do and keep it up. And um, who ya? Have a great day. I'm so grateful for you. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, it's our pleasure. We'll look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you. All right. Take care, Lori. That was awesome. Everybody go check out LoriHarder.com or ping her on Instagram and um, check into her Bliss Project. Speaking of Bliss, um, I mentioned we talked a little bit about the Unbeatable Mind Summit at the end of our chat there. The Unbeatable Mind Summit was already over 50% subscribed. We expect it to be overbooked this year. We only have room for about 225 people. It's in Carlsbad, December 1 to 3. It's going to be an incredible event. We have uh, speakers like Joshua Manns and Ashley Horner, Bob Schultz, J.P. Sears, one of my favorite comedians, what an amazing guy, Mark Sisson, of course myself, we're going to be getting into lots of Unbeatable Mind training and practices, great speakers, great community, and we'll be planning for an amazing Unbeatable 2018. So it's an incredible event. Uh, The feedback has been extraordinary. It's transformative. Whether it's the beginning of your journey or just to continue your journey with Unbeatable Mind and developing integrated awareness, world-centric warrior leadership, the Unbeatable Mind Annual Summit is the way to go. So hopefully we'll see you there. Cool. All right. Thanks again for your time today. We'll see you next time. Until then, train hard, stay focused. Hoo-yah. Divine out. Make sure you get home, boys. They got your back, the pride of the fleets, the bright swinging frogmen of the youth.